The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. I gotta write that time. Excellent. And now I'm going to say on the air when I told you off the air just to embarrass you. I've been listening to the audio of the show as I'm driving around. Usually I'm watching it. But since more people listen, I wanted to get that listening experience. If you could pull me up a little. And I noticed as as you and I were bantering about something on one of the shows, you literally have the sexiest voice I've ever heard in my life. Aw, shucks. And I, and I was listening to that thinking, you know what? I'm glad that I listened to it rather than watching it. Because now I get the listening experience, and there you go. Chrissy needs to talk on the show more. That I mean, was, if I could get a word in edgewise. That's, that's, that's true. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, it's a good thing I'm a singer as well, so that's if you guys true. really want to hear my voice, come out to one of my gigs. Let's get the Just sponsors saying. up. We'll try and get this done real quick. We'd wait for the Baba Paws, but we got somebody really important here. We, we can't do. wait for the Baba Paws. Yeah. We'll pop up by another day. Let's start the show, shall okay. we? Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, top two guys, smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We've got a great show for you today. Took a little bit of doing to get them in here, but we got them. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I actually like the old Jeff deal when he was running against Elizabeth Warren when I could just text you and say, hey, you want to do this? And you go, okay. And then we'd just go oh, do man. it. Now I've got to go through, like, i got to go, go Senate subcommittee, and then the UN's got to approve it. and then. But we got them here, and that's what's... Four, a, that's, four months to go before the election. I, I hate to say it. My phone's like a Christmas tree. You can't even respond right, to it right. all. It's, it's crazy, but right. thank you for bearing I, with me. I, is, listen, you're a good guy. You've been with us for a long time. <laughs> let me just talk. Let me just uh, give our sponsors real quick, then we're going to talk to Jeff Deal. Uh, McLennan Real Estate Century 21 in Methuen. We love Matt and Janet and Sam and everybody there. And I really love that Matt comes on the show at least once uh, every couple of months to talk about the state of real estate in the Merrimack Valley because it's very different than what's going on in the rest of the country. And he's a real expert. We love that. AFC Urgent Care. Lisa and her husband are fantastic. If you have a problem, don't go to Holy Family Hospital and wait four <laughs> hours in the waiting room. You go to AFC Urgent Care, literally you're in and out in 15 minutes. And I know because I go there. Marsan and Son Construction, EIS, Investigation and Gun Training, Borelli's Deli. Now, Don Smeriglio at Borelli's Deli says that the, uh, tomorrow he's got a special New England clam chowder. And if you've never had the New England clam chowder at Borelli's Deli, let me tell you something. I don't care how far away you live, get to Borelli's Deli tomorrow and get some of their clam chowder. It's pretty good. Um, he's I got to ask, my father-in-law makes a thin chowder. Mm-hmm. Is this a thick, no, nice, thick No, it's a chowder? thick, yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to have. Yeah. I love my father-in-law, but right. I wish it was a little thicker. Yeah, no, it's a real New England clam mm. chowder stuff. Uh, he, and he's also got the Valley's original chicken barbs um, that he'll be, uh, uh, that will be available tomorrow. And of course, they've got all kinds of grilling stuff, for, you know, if you're going to be doing, uh, especially go in and ask for the Valley Patriot hot sausage. They make regular <laughs> sausage, they make hot sausage, and then they make 
especially for me, Don said, Don and his uh, sister made it especially for me because they keep going and saying this isn't hard enough. And they make Valley Patriot hot sauce. Those are in the back, so you got to ask for that. But if you do, they will give you some. Off the menu. Right, off the menu <laughs> stuff. Tomo and Shaken Seafood. Uh, uh, free shout to Sullivan Insurance. Lazy River Products and Drake It. And Pleasant Valley Landscaping, David Consoli. What's Lazy River? It's uh, cannabis. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. thinking of, uh, the Lazy River, like you go to... Disney or something like oh, that. Oh, right, yeah. No. I wasn't no. sure if somebody makes lazy rivers in this state. Yeah. Know, well, so if you're all depressed about the economy and the high gas prices <laughs> and what's going on in the world in Ukraine and abortion's going to be illegal and all that stuff, don't worry about it. Go to Drake it. Go to Lazy River Products. Get a get some of their product. Everything's going to be fine in 10 minutes, honest to God. It's a regular river. It's just all the stoners go straight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Pleasant Valley Landscaping, Dave Idconsoli is taking on uh, new hey, jobs. Dorito bags floating yeah. in the lazy river. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so we've got with us, we've got Jeff Deal. And before we uh, let him talk about stuff, I just want to let people know, Jeff has been with us since 2016. And he Didn't, came to... Did I not come in 14 with a gas tax issue? Uh, you, I, I you must have come back. You might have. You might anyway, have. Anyway, yeah. But the, the, I went back to see, like, when was the first time he yeah. came? The one that I found was 16. Maybe it was 14. Uh, and he wasn't running for anything. Shame on me if I did not push the gas tax ballot question right. to the Valley Patriot. Right. This, this, we won. Right. But I would have had bigger numbers if, if, right. if I missed it. But we right. You should be buying more ads in the Valley Patriot. That's really <laughs> what gets you there. Although I saw your campaign finance report. I'm not too sure come you're going to be able to handle our prices. incredible June. Hello. All right. Okay. Uh, but Jeff has come to our bash when he wasn't running for anything. And he stayed the entire night and he got up and he pushed my book. And I have to say that of all of the compliments I've had in my lifetime, the greatest compliment I ever got was from Jeff Dio. When he got up at my bash and he held up my book called Heroes in Our Midst, which is a compilation of really heroic things that local veterans have done. And he got up and he talked about the book and asked, told people to you know, buy the book. I think inspired by your father, obviously. Yeah. Like local hero as yeah. well. So. And he turned around to me and he said, and I hope that someday someone will write a book about community heroes and it will feature Tom Duggan. Right. I was so humbled by that. that, that like, here we are some seven, eight years later. I still remember it because it, it, meant, it meant a lot to me that someone would actually think about that, think about me that way. So we appreciate what you've done. Uh, Tom, I... It, Sure. The listeners will just give us, or the viewers will give us sure. just one quick second. And I, when people say, oh, you're a politician, they talk to me and they say, you're a politician. I, I'm just an average citizen. At 40 years old, I decided to run for state rep. I went to the legislature, tried to make a difference. You know, ran against Elizabeth Warren, thought we could try to do something down in Washington. Obviously, in this state, it was a difficult race. But the thing I tell everybody who's thinking about running for office is the people that you meet when you're campaigning, whether you win or whether you lose, you meet local leaders that actually get up beyond their regular lives and they do something important for their communities. That's what serving in politics is about because you interact with all those people who have great ideas and they're just asking you to help them with it, right? So, you know, for you, I mean, your, your reach up here in the Lawrence area is amazing, right? If we could have five of you around the entire state, We'd be all set. Right, no problems, right. right? Thank you. But I honestly mean that. That is something that is uh, the most rewarding for me is the people I meet. And so coming back here and, and talking to you, it's a no-brainer. Well, listen, I'm glad that you're here. I want to want to talk about your candidacy. Um, I guess we should probably start with the elephant in the room, right? Let's just sure. get it out of the way. You were endorsed by Donald Trump. Now, I'm a Trump guy, but... We live in Massachusetts, after all. Sure. And we know that it is 75% really a communist state at this point, right? <laughs> and, and 
I, those commercials write themselves. Adolf Hitler endorsed Jeff Deal. Like those TV commercials write themselves. How do you plan on getting past that? If you win the primary, Laura Healy endorsed Joe Biden. I well, mean, yeah, but this is Massachusetts. People in Massachusetts like that. No, Joe Biden is underwater in Massachusetts. Maura Healy, the WCVB poll that came out about two weeks ago, 46% approval rating. Nobody, the Boston Globe certainly won't put that on the front cover. Right. 46 approval for the sitting attorney general mm-hmm. who's the nominee now for the Democrats for governor. Right now, the other big number to look at is 60% are undecided in this race, which means that as you probably know, if somebody says they're not sure who they're voting for, they're just not voting for the Democrat. Right. And they're afraid to tell you that. Right. Look, this is one of those cycles where it's like Scott Brown in 2010 when he won. Government, just after the pandemic, it was very clear they took over a lot of our lives, a lot of control of our lives. And I think people want to feel like there's a pullback. Moore Healy is a big government person. I am a free, uh, you know, independent um personal accountability type of person who believes I, my wife and I own a small business. You know, we just believe that government needs to, you know, let us do our thing. They provide the services, provide them transparently, cost effectively, but they shouldn't be in control of everything, whether it's, you know, the education, whether it's the, uh, and, and again, I'm all for public schools. My daughters went to public schools, but you know, there is a real lock on, on them trying to allow for charters in some different areas, Right. Uh, healthcare, government pretty much runs your healthcare. They mandate all sorts of new coverage every year to the point where it's ex- incredibly expensive and, and it's required to purchase here in the state. So it's expensive. Then on top of that, uh, housing, you know, the, the government's involved in de- ter- determining what housing is built where. I mean, when did we turn into, uh, like you said, a communist state? People, People may vote or feel like they're voting freely, but truthfully, government is really involved in most decisions in our lives right Mm -hmm. now. And I think we as a state, as a country, really were founded on the idea that individual freedoms, um, personal accountability and prosperity were what made this country great. And when you basically take away accountability and government's just going to provide you everything – you know, you you take away the incentive, I think, for people to want to take that next step, be an entrepreneur. And we're losing people. We're losing businesses. We're losing population. 50,000 people left Massachusetts last year alone. 50,000. This is not COVID deaths. This and that's is- with Charlie Baker as our guy. I mean, I don't know whether you like him or don't like him. But, I mean, he is a Republican at least 40% of the time. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not a left-wing wokester who's, like, trying to turn us into California. No, but he did propose TCI, which Transportation Climate Initiative, was going to be an unelected body of bureaucrats that would decide how much of whatever type of fuel they decided could be sold in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, I'm all for reducing our carbon footprint. I, not up in this room. There's plenty of carbon going on right. in the air. At the, at the you don't want to lose shop. votes up there. <laughs> exactly. But no, my point is, uh, you know, I, I, I had a hybrid car, right? I believe in renewable energies. It's fine. It's great. Except it'll never produce the amount of energy we need to run this state. And so when Maura Healy said she was proud to block two natural gas pipelines coming into Massachusetts, what she did was basically drive up the cost of home heating oil, and it's going to be unaffordable for seniors, right? If, if you win the primary... When? You shouldn't talk – well, I mean, because you do have a primary, but if you do, you shouldn't talk about anything else. Every single commercial you run should be about the pipeline issue because that's the one thing that whether you're a Democrat or an independent – my mom's a Democrat, whether you're an independent, everyone that I talk to today says, you know what, regardless of you know the Donald Trump thing, I voted for Biden because I thought he was – but he shut down the pipelines, and now we're paying $6 for gas. And I don't know, even like liberals who aren't blaming the Democrats for that because they are hostile to energy. They're hostile to energy because they've all sold out to China. 
Well, that's it. So when the pipelines got shut down by Biden, exactly, uh, we ended up seeing that, you know, with less supply out there, the, the demand uh, continued to increase. The cost went up and to the point where people didn't realize it was going to be this bad, the Democrats especially, right? The other thing, too, is, and I mentioned this earlier, when I led the repeal of indexing our state gas tax to inflation, can you imagine if I hadn't gotten that ballot question done in 2014? Today, the inflation rate, we just found out the inflation rate now is up around 9.1, maybe higher. If, wait a minute. What do you mean, maybe higher? Definitely, we know definitely it's higher, higher because we know that the government lies about the numbers. Okay. They lie about Thank everything. Thank you. I just want to make sure we're on the right. same page here. But the point is, with that high inflation rate, our gas tax would have been indexed to go up with inflation. We would be paying California-style uh, gas right now, which is ridiculous. So I know how energy important it is because it, it is a, a, a right under the surface level. Not everybody can get into an electric car. They're about $50,000 to buy one, right? Not everybody can get one right off the bat. One of the things I want to do is actually suspend the excise tax in Massachusetts. If you want to buy a, a fuel efficient car like that, great. You know, the state can, we've got $3.6 billion in unanticipated tax revenue this year. We could pay back. That's, by the way, the, don't skip over that. That's, That's outrageous. A huge number. It's outrageous, We're being though. overtaxed, obviously. Right. It's, it's but outrageous. the point is they can return it right back to people in a very easy way. Lift the excise tax. Mm-hmm. What is, what's one of the most frustrating things when you buy a new car? It's like, okay, I know I'm going to buy a nice new car. Oh, my God. A, a six, seven, $800 bill just came in the mail a few months later because I'm paying an excise tax because I got a new car. It's right. a disincentive to get a new, more fuel-efficient vehicle. Why? Why don't we take away that disincentive, take that, that excess revenue, give it back to the cities and towns to offset the excise tax because they actually get to keep that money? So this way you, you don't harm, harm the local folks, right? But you, uh, you get the, the, the better vehicles out there. But even still, if you were to get um, all electric vehicles, our grid is not ready yet. I mean, the aggressive plan by the Democrats, Maura Healy and the Democrats, want to be done with fossil fuels by 2030. That's less than 10 years. It's a fantasy. We I mean, don't it's, have it's an admirable goal. Stations. It's an admirable goal, but it's a fantasy. Right? It's not real. You're never going to get there. And so what they're doing is they're putting us in a position where our families right now are becoming bankrupted. I mean, when you – if people just bought into these – you have great uh, housing realtors that uh, sponsor your show, right? I'm sure they're hearing right now that rates are about to jump again because of the whole uh, inflation rate. The Fed's about to have to come in and and increase rates again. That means that purchasing a home, they're not only expensive, but the rates on them are going to be even higher. You're going to be seeing – what I saw in 2011 when I became a state representative, which was the aftermath of the 08, 09 housing bubble falling apart, people starting to be in foreclosure. That's what I anticipate for the future. And with a high cost of fuel, the high cost of food right now, families are already on the edge. What we don't need is a governor that's going to come in and just continue to push her ideology of anti-fossil fuels and more government spending. That's exactly what you'll get from Maura Healy. You will get the opposite from uh, from Governor Jeff Deal. I can promise you that. And that's going to happen too. In the meantime, you've got to get past Chris Doty. How do you plan on getting past a guy who's got as much money as God? <laughs> when and, then, and, and, I, and I hate to have to bring this up, but I looked at your campaign finance report last night and it said zero cash on hand. No. It did. I just pulled it up. That's, no, you're looking at – so first of all, there's two different accounts. One is a, a closed bank account. We switch banks from one to another. Oh, okay. So they right. show a closed bank account. That's zero. We, had, we raised $142,000 last month alone. And um, we raised – actually, other than what Doty put into his own campaign, we raised – I think it was 10 times what he raised, about 14000 So we've got – I think last month alone, we had 1,300, 1,313 donors. He had something like 70. You know – you can put like John Kingston. You may remember him. I ran against him in 2018 uh, for U.S. Senate. He and Beth Lindstrom. John Kingston put six million dollars into that U.S. Senate race, 
and lost to me in the primary, okay? Chris Doty's put in, I think, somewhere around two, two and a half million dollars. It doesn't matter how much money you spend. I've been working in the Republican ranks for a long time, serving in office, working with people in my district, whether you're Republican or Democrat. You know, I've got a lot of folks out there that support the work I've been doing for a long time. I think those grassroots folks are the ones that are going to be having their voice heard on primary day. So how do you plan on... And by the way... I'm also the candidate that did not vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I mean, I may be endorsed by Trump, but I got to tell you, in the Republican ranks, that's actually a big plus. And when you vote for Hillary Clinton, but, vote for Hillary Clinton. But did you vote vote for Joe Biden in 2008 during a pri- the, when I was still a Democrat? The 2008 primary, when Barack Obama said that uh, he wanted. To, remember the plumber, Joe the plumber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caught Obama saying, uh, you know, we have to have some redistribution of wealth. That was like when it snapped for me. I said, okay, this Democrat Party is not my mother and father's Democrat Party. By the way, my folks for are sure. still Democrats. Uh, me too. <laughs> so me too. so I, can't, I can't, you know, get everybody to convert. But the point is, that was it. I, I, I couldn't support uh, Hillary Clinton then. I couldn't support uh, Barack Obama with that policy. So Joe Biden, my mom was in the union for 40 years, uh, from the day she started till when she ended a flight attendant. She wouldn't have had her job without union protections. You sh- back in the 60s and 70s, you know, it was more about looks than it was about skills. And what the union did for stewardesses, flight attendants, was to give them that longevity in their career beyond when, you know... When the looks fall apart. And I don't mean to say it like that. I just mean that when you're still qualified... I kind of liked it the old way better because, you know, when I flew, you know, it was a lot easier for... What do we see here on the eyes? Well, I got to see. You. We got him to laugh. That's the thing. Like other other poli- <laughs> if, if this was Neil Perry, he'd be shrinking. He wouldn't be saying anything. He'd be sh- he'd be sh- Oh, he said something controversial. It's not that controversial. I did. Look, I I loved my mom worked for United. It was a great uh, chance for me as a young kid to be able to fly all over the place and see things. But um, at the same time, unions were great for her. My wife is in a union. My in-laws, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, teachers in unions. Their husband and wife, both teachers in unions. I have always supported unions. When I lost to Elizabeth Warren in 2018, I actually won places like Steve Lynch's congressional district. I won that congressional district, which is the home of most of the trade unions in Massachusetts, South Boston, Dorchester, that Florian Hill area. I cleaned up over there because they know a Republican who actually cares about the working class folks. And that's what I am, a working class guy. You know, I have, don't have $2 million to throw into a race. I have to go out there and ask people to donate to my campaign. And when I do that, I actually have to convince them that not only will I win the primary, but I'll win the general election. Right. And that's how you win elections, by talking phone call to phone call, not just plopping another $2 million into your race. So let's talk about issues that people actually care about, right? Because nobody cares about the inside political uh, the inside political baseball stuff. The dog stuff. does. I can tell the dog's really excited. Yeah, Murphy's awesome. Politics. Mur- <laughs> I think Murphy's a liberal, though. I'm just, I'm just saying. I think he Mur- is. Can you I check him to see if he's got a policy? He's breathing. There he goes. He's hu- he just huffed. He realized we're talking. He looks about so him. comfortable. I wish I was over there laying on the couch. You're fine. Um, Go back. Well, let's talk that. about some some things that people actually care about. Now, one of the, oh, the there he is. Now he moved. The most important issue locally for any community in Massachusetts. The biggest issue in Massachusetts, no matter what any politician says, is the opioid crisis and the homeless issue. Because no matter right, because no matter what we talk about on any other issue, if you don't solve that, we crumble as a, as a society. As governor, what are you going to do to help to, to help the homeless issue and the and when they kind of go together and the opioid crisis? So you know my own personal relationship with uh, Karina over at Daybreak, the shelter here in in Lawrence that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where she does an amazing job of trying to provide, scramble to provide at least 50, 60 beds per night um, for men and women who are homeless and dealing with 
um, addiction issues. They're a wet shelter, so they take people in. They're in need of a better facility right now. So I, I was able to meet with her and the mayor and a team of people that were trying to see if they can help relocate her to a, a better facility. The current mayor? The current mayor. Brian, okay. Yeah, exactly. Good. You should have told me. I would have come and covered that. Oh, yeah. Brian's a good friend. Well, I think they, to be honest with you, it was sort of, you know, a closed meeting. I think they want to have some real discussions about where and what they can do. And I, you know, sometimes no offense with the press, you know, people tend to grandstand, but right. I think they were, they were able to make some Well, good that's good headway. though. So it wasn't a photo op. It was actually no, it was work, not. It was, it was a, a working, working meeting. meeting. Good. Exactly. And uh, I think Karina was able to, you know, really make her case pretty strongly about why it's important. And, you know, I understand as a mayor of a big city, you don't want to make your city a magnet for drawing in people right. from the suburbs. So I got to tell you something. This is something that uh, I think even Jim Lyons, who's chairman of the Republican Party, he served with me in the legislature for eight years, and his son has addiction issues, So he, and he talks about that pretty openly. Uh, he and I both agree that the suburbs, and, and the mayor of Lawrence also agrees, the suburbs have to own the addiction issue as well. Absolutely. You have got to stop this NIMBY not in my backyard. Those people, uh, kids or parents or wives or spouses or grand anybody who's addicted, Try to keep them in their communities if you can. I, I, of course, you don't want them in the same network of people that, that got them addicted in the first place. But if they're not close to family, if they're not near a job that maybe they can get back into again, they're going to get more and more detached from society. So what you see on Mass and Cass Avenue in Boston, you see in Lawrence, you see in Brockton at Needle Park, you see it all across the state in, in big cities where the re recovery centers are located, like the Suboxone and all that. What happens is the people uh, are are going, drawn to that, but they don't have any support network. So they become homeless. They live in these encampments and then it, the, it's a downward spike, right. spiral of additional problems that happen because of that. So the addiction issue, as you said, is a huge, huge thing. And, and after the pandemic, it actually got worse. Mm -hmm. You know, we went from in a path of, of downward trend to upward. In fact, we had the most opioid deaths in the history of Massachusetts just last year. And fentanyl is now the new main problem because of that. So how do you fix it? So- Part of the things is letting law enforcement actually do their job. We have... Come on. In Massachusetts, you want to let law enforcement do their job? Yeah, I know, right? I don't Shocking. know about that. I don't, I don't, I don't know if the voters of Massachusetts are going to want you to do that. When you have a DA from Suffolk County who had a non-prosecute list, right, and then became the U.S. attorney for Massachusetts, what you have is... And you have judges like Sweet... Uh, Feely up in Salem, who was a revolving door for heroin dealers, like he wouldn't deport, uh, he wouldn't prosecute a heroin dealer because he was here illegally and he knew he would have been deported. That, that was a sidebar discussion he had. It became open record. And uh, he said there's two, well, he didn't say it, but there's two sets of laws in his, in his courtroom. If you're here illegally, he won't prosecute against your heroin uh, charges. If you were an American citizen, he said during the sidebar, he would have uh, prosecuted. So I remember Jim Lyons and I went up to Salem and we actually filed language in the legislature to try to um, impeach that judge. It, it hadn't, hasn't been a judge impeached, I don't know if ever, in Massachusetts, but nobody's been filed. Of course, nobody, the media doesn't play that up because you, you, they support these right. revolving door uh, judges. So whether it's the prosecutors, uh, like our now U.S. attorney for Massachusetts that want to let people off on criminal uh, behavior, or it's judges that let people out. You have got to have a support system beyond just the police that actually prosecute and put people in jail. But how is governing? Do you do that? Because DAs are elected. DAs are elected. But you know what you do is you, you control. So you know this. The legislature makes the laws. They pass the budget. Then the governor is the one who executes the law and executes the but budget. But if you've got a DA who doesn't like, we have John Blodgett in Essex County, who's been good on a lot of stuff. But like he refuses to he refuses to prosecute anybody who files a false police report or if somebody files a false two hundred nine a report, just absolutely refuses to do it. What do you do? Like his job is to actually prosecute. The law is there. The governor signed it. The legislature voted for it. 
and he just refuses to enforce it. I mean, what do you do? When you control the purse strings, you control a lot behind the scenes. So you can cut his, cut his budget. There are certain areas you can apply pressure to. Let's just nice. put it that way. Let's right. put it that way. Right. And as far as law enforcement goes, again, I did a ride-along with a Brockton drug unit once just to see how they do the, the arrest and they try to flip the, the person to get them to turn in the house where they're, they're buying the drugs. I mean, it's a very difficult, long, time-consuming process and dangerous to begin with. Um, we need to let law enforcement have a freer hand in doing what they're trying to do to arrest the gang members. Uh, you know, when we had Andrew Lelling as U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts, he, was great. he actually went against, towards those gangs that are part of the, that flow of drugs up to the southern border, through Massachusetts, and up into New Hampshire. He knew about and, and was willing to try to make sure that law enforcement could track those rental cars that were going that with mass plates that were going up into New Hampshire and getting partners up in other of those northern states to arrest those people because there was only one reason they were coming from with rental cars from mass to deliver the drugs right. they didn't want their own vehicles impounded right mm-hmm. so that's what's going on there the uh, other thing is the national guard right so in Massachusetts right now we've got the national guard filling in for nurses we've got them filling in as school bus drivers because of the shortage of, of people working right now I would send the National Guard down to the southern border to work with other states who actually have their guardsmen down there to block off the areas where we know fentanyl is being brought in. Let's stop it. Every state is a border state. You've heard that cliche now mm-hmm. a lot. Massachusetts has become a border state because fentanyl is absolutely coming into our state and killing our citizens. We have got to make sure that we stop the flow in. And we need a federal partner. We need a better federal partner to make sure that China is held accountable for what they're doing. This is very You're not, not going to get that in. with this administration. No, nope. and that's why, again, I supported Trump in 16 because I felt we would get that strength through a, you know, I, I understand in Massachusetts, maybe he's not popular, but the what he did for four years, I thought was pretty incredible as far as the economy, pulling troops back from endless foreign wars that didn't serve our interests anymore, and being strong with these other foreign actors like China, uh, you know, like North Korea. And then the, uh, the other thing is, as governor, I'm also going to make sure I support the best candidate that's going to put American interests first in 2024. Charlie Baker couldn't support uh, Donald Trump twice in 2016 it was or so di- It was so disappointing. That it's one thing if you don't support a guy because you're in Massachusetts and you're afraid. It's another thing to just be publicly attacking him and sound like a Democrat. Right. Like, if you're going to do that, then want, just register as a Democrat. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as homelessness, though, you know, we've got more homeless people now than ever. How do we reintegrate these people into society when and, – and, and as somebody who deals with the homeless on a daily basis, most of them – even if you got them an apartment tomorrow, they owe the phone company $1,000. They owe the gas company 2000 because they had an apartment at one point. Then they lost their job or their wife threw them out or whatever. The bills racked up. So even if you got them an apartment tomorrow, they couldn't, they couldn't even turn on the utilities because they've got this debt hanging over them. How do we get these people, especially those who aren't addicted but are homeless, how do we get these people integrated back into society and back on the grid? I know. There's only so many daybreak shelters. There's only so many Pine Street Inns. There's only so much that ultimately uh, private organizations can do. You know, public organizations, public uh, entities like the state obviously should have a role in making this happen. You know, it, it, if, you, if you talk to some folks who run homeless shelters, what they'll tell you, a lot of times it's not necessarily a mental health issue. Some people just really aren't they, they, have, they have a real tough time actually want, wanting to live in a st- certain type of environment structured like environment, that, structured yeah. environment like that. They just yeah, they hate structure. Right. Yeah. And so for them, living in tents or encampments is actually not, for them, a bad choice. That's something they, they prefer. Okay. In, in fact, some veterans that have come back from like uh, Afghanistan and, and, and uh, Iraq, they were used to sort of digging in and living off the land in, in certain environments. And uh, it became sort of 
that their their way of coping. That's that's mm-hmm. how they feel most safe, right? So you have to realize. But we got to get them off the streets. I mean, nobody should be out in the streets. No, no, certainly not. Even if they want to be there, like you know, if you want to go live in the streets, you still shouldn't be out in the street. We should be doing something about that. Like, yeah. then you become a victim, or you become, or you become addicted, or you know, somebody robs you, somebody kills you. You, yeah. It, it seems to me like the government should be doing more to help people who are on the streets, especially those who aren't addicted. And I know the vast majority are, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't addicted, who just can't get back into society. They just can't get back on the grid, and the government should be doing something for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you, what's, what's the, what's the surplus? Three point six billion right now. Three point six billion dollars. But you can't tell that. me you can't build like some kind of a housing building for people that are trying to get back on the grid, where you can integrate everything into their rent, so that they're not, it's not the electric bill, the phone bill, and all that. Like integrate everything in and and give them at least a safe place to live, where there isn't cockroaches and rats and all that other stuff, like the rooming houses on on Broadway and Lawrence. You know, I totally agree. Obviously, you have to get that fine line between where somebody gets support services and then where, when you're carrying them for, for so long. Like multi-generational dependency on government programs to me is another problem. That's, that's an, sort of an addiction to you know not being accountable for your own actions and sort of things like that. But that's, that's something where I think we've got long-term programs in place as safety nets that get abused. I don't, I don't like that and I think that's a problem. But with homeless, I know what you're talking about. By the way, just mentioning the budget, we also spent in Massachusetts, uh, there was about $5 billion sent to us for the pandemic recovery. About $4 billion was spent in an informal session. No amendments, no discussion, no debate. Uh, and it went to pet projects all across the state. Beverly got a $200,000 pickleball court with the money that was supposed to be used for recovery from the pandemic. And if if anything, if it was going to be stretched, you know, the, 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 the reason to use it for something else would be stretched. Why not use it for homeless like you're talking about? We have, uh, you know, in Lawrence, obviously, uh, down in Fall River, old mill buildings. You've got buildings and facilities. The space is there. That, that can be right, retrofitted. Right. Just make sure that uh, they get streamlined to become a place that either temporarily houses um, the person or their belongings or something. Find different intermediary grounds where you can get those homeless to come in and check in uh, or at least have a safe place to store their, their stuff so it won't get stolen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, that's a big problem. The addiction issues, the homelessness, certainly one of the things that we have the resources to do it right now. We absolutely do, and we're not using it. Right. Right? So um, I understand from talking to your people. (laughs) My people. Your people. (laughs) That um, you're only doing two debates. You're only going to do. Only? That's what I'm. That's what I'm told. You. You. you I was I told did, he, he's only going to. He's going to do Cooner and he's going to do Howie. And I said, wait a minute. I'm better than Cooner and I'm better <laughs> than Howie because I ask real questions. I don't ask the inside baseball Republican stuff about you know like you and Chris or you and whoever else that you're running against and trying. I'm. That's not what my debates are. My debates are I throw in a topic like homelessness and let you guys talk to each other. Why don't you do a debate on this podcast? where we'll talk about actual substance and you guys will actually have time to talk to each other rather than like one minute for this and two minutes for that, which nobody learns anything from. Mm. Well, first of all, I've proposed those two debates. Uh, last, in 2018, when I had John Kingston and Beth Lindstrom, we had one debate. It was the Boston Herald radio debate and the three of us participated. But that doesn't service the voters, though. The voters need to hear more from the candidates and they need to see them in different forums doing these kinds of debates. So I guess what I'm trying to get you to do and putting you on the spot because we're no, live. No, it's fine. Is, is, is will you do, because I've asked Chris Doty. Chris Doty was here a month ago. He said, absolutely, I would do it if you can get him to show up. Uh, so I said, when I get him here, I'm going to ask him because I'm going to ask real questions about real substance that, at, that regular voters who aren't inside the, the, the tent 
actually care about. Yeah. Well, so what I'm going to do is this. I've already proposed that two well-known conservative uh, radio hosts be the moderators for our debates. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. That's two more debates. That's that's at least one more debate. And he still hasn't agreed to the second one uh, with Jeff Cooner than we had in 2018. But on top of that, it's not my job, Tom, to try to help Chris Doty get name recognition when he's barely been involved in politics since he, he jumped in, I think, in February of this year. I've been involved for 12 years going out there and talking about, in 2014, the gas tax. But won't that question. shine during a debate? If, if he's here for a debate and you, got, and you come in, won't, won't your, your experience and all the things that you, that, that you believe make you a better candidate, won't that shine during well, the I debate? Well, I think it's to be very clear those, during those two debates that we'll... Uh, so you're not going to do a debate here. Is that what I'm hearing? He's, no, he won't do it, Chrissy. I lost 100 bucks on that. Because I said to a friend of mine, I won't say which Jamalians it was, but I said, I said to a friend of mine, I said, you know, I'm going to ask him, and I, bet, and I bet you he says yes. And he went, eh, I don't know. I said, listen, when he agrees Jeff to- loves us, and Jeff knows I'm not going to sandbag him. Jeff's going to say yes. I know he will. When he agrees to his second debate with, the, with uh, uh, Jeff Cooner, then we'll talk. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll make a deal with you. If I can convince Doty to show up at the Cooner debate, which I, I think he doesn't want to go because I think he thinks Cooner's probably on your side. Wait, wait, but I'm if sorry. I can get him to Howie do it. Carr said, Howie Carr was asked by President Trump just about two months ago, who are you supporting? He said, Jeff Deal. Those two are professionals. If Chris Doty doesn't think that Jeff Cooner can take, put on a hat for one hour and be a neutral arbiter of questions that are conservative questions, then what's he afraid of? I don't know. But if I can get him to say yes, will you do, will you do one here? <laughs> we'll talk. No, it's not, I, I, that's a political answer. It's not a no. That's a political it's answer. Not a it's not a no, not a but no. it's kind of a no, though. It's certainly not a yes, right? I um, everything is opportunity. Defunding the police is – well, we only got five minutes, so let's, let's, let's do something better. Yes. Um, the education system in Massachusetts is absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. The kids are graduating. They can't read and write. They, can't, they, can't sent, they, they don't know anything about sentence structure. I, I, I gotta, I'm going to agree and I'm going to disagree just real quick. Okay. We have probably the best education system in the United States. And, and it still sucks. And as far as the, the world goes, Massachusetts is still world-class. World I mean, we're still in top 10 as far as education. It could be better. We are not competitive with some countries like China. Okay, so we do need to do a better job. But you're right. There are areas where we're dropping off. And the pandemic, two years, basically really killed mm-hmm. uh, a lot of educational uh, uh, gains that were made. So it's, we, we're go- we went backwards. So I, I will agree. We have so a lot I'm of looking for, So I'm looking for a curriculum where they actually teach math. <laughs> where they actually teach science. And when I'm walking past a physics class at, Math- at Methuen High School, I don't want to hear Donald Trump's a Nazi, okay? That, which actually happened, okay? I, the, these teachers in the schools are not teaching the subjects that we're paying them to teach, and they're teaching global warming and abortion and transgender bathrooms and gay pride and all this other stuff when they can't do the job we pay them to do. As governor, are you going to be able to turn that around? Well, I can tell you this. My secretary of education will not be the same secretary of education we have now. Oh, I agree. Thank God. Civics and history are one thing, but indoctrination or political ideology is a whole nother. I've seen it with my own kids in the schools uh, that they go to. My daughter had to watch a video called Implicit Bias where she was told that she has an advantage as a white kid uh, on the athletic field and in the classrooms. And she had to sign a pledge afterwards. Now, the Globe said, oh, no, you lied about that. No. In the fall and uh, in the winter and fall, my daughter had to sign them. They, they got rid of them. Sorry. Yeah, in the spring, they got rid of them because too many people complained. So when they asked the superintendent of my school, did she have to sign a pledge? He said, no, they don't have to sign a pledge. They don't have to sign a pledge now. Right, they did right. then. It was a half-truth. Right. Anyway, the point is, 
it was very disturbing to hear that from my daughter. She was embarrassed to even tell me that that was something she had to do, mm-hmm. right? And it was upsetting to me because I'm like, we try to keep racism out of our household. Why is it that schools are the ones telling our kids, hey, you're racist, by the way, and you owe this group... In the name of fighting racism, their solution to racism is more racism. At the same time, they're telling us that the solution to the gun problem is not more guns. Wow. And I, 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 I don't understand anything that the Democrats I mean, meanwhile, they, they take police out of the school resources, right. out of the schools... Which makes the school less safe. Right. Right, exactly. Right. But as far as education goes, yeah, the, uh, the other thing is the sexual preference at a young, early age. That's a parent's decision to talk about kids with that. That's not for school teachers to I talk agree. about. It. It's not sex ed in high school. That's something totally different at a young age. And, and again, it, it, this has nothing to do with your sexual preference. It's just that that is not the environment. It's a, it's a parental choice uh, type of thing. And as long as we're still dropping the ball, like you said, on math and all that, let's start focusing back on the curriculum. Right. And the other thing, too... 25% of people around the country, in pretty much in Massachusetts, go on to four-year colleges. About 75% don't after they're done with uh, high school, okay? So the vocational schools right now have a waiting list a mile long. Let's start to uh, increase the capacity for vocational school, get rid of the stigma that, oh, you're going to a voc school, that's not as good as a four-year college. We inter- it could be the opposite. You're making more money right now in the right. trades than you are after you go to a four-year college and get some bogus degree. So in my opinion, those are the ones that have the better future, the vocational schools. We need that here in Massachusetts anyway. We're a high-tech center. We're going to have robotics. We're going to have all these things with kids with technical knowledges in electronics and manufacturing. Those are be the ones that are successful we, for the future. Can we integrate technical training into public schools because the great the great Lawrence Tech in Lawrence actually goes to Lawrence High School. We're so close on time. I, I, I want to say this. The thing is the formula right now poaches. So vocational schools poach from the regular school district. So they take not only the 10, let's say it's 10 grand per kid, and then they take an additional four or five grand from the regional school district. So they're poaching. We need to separate the vokes from the public school, regular school funding and figure out you know, how they can you know, get that uh, reimbursed without taking away from the, the basic school. Because then it becomes this competition of you know, the main school doesn't want to recommend a kid who should go to the voc because they, they want to keep that money. But there's some kids that should should be into technical schools and not just in a you know the classical training you know so the for- funding formula screws things up we got to re- rejigger that. Give us that's a really short. Give answer, us some breaking news. Give us something we can write about in the next edition. Tell us something that you haven't. Give us something you haven't talked about. Something you're going to do as governor that you haven't really. There's got to be a whole bunch of stuff you've talked about with your people about. Hey, if we win, we want to do this. Day one, day one. Anybody who was fired for the vaccine mandate in Massachusetts, any state worker that got fired, whether it's state trooper or whether it's somebody at DCF or somebody at the MBTA, if they were a state worker and they were fired, they're hired back on day one. We make them whole. That's a new and on, story. And on day two, I fire everybody who is in the administration that thought that was a really good idea. Ugh. They're gone. You know, Chris Doty. I hope you'll watch it because. <laughs> That's going to be tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that makes I think everybody watching and no listening. Brainer. Yeah, no yeah, brainer. Right. Do you yeah. have time? Do you have time to go a little bit over or no? Yeah, that's a no. All right, all right. Listen, Jeff. The Jeff Deal. The dogs. Can, can we'll, what's the answer to that? Sorry, we'll talk. Oh, well, yeah, that's a Jeff Deal nice. answer. Nice. We're going to use you as an adjective from now on when someone doesn't answer what's a question. Up? That's a Jeff Deal. No. Answer. <laughs> no. Don't. Just giving you a hard time. Um, all right. Make your final pitch. Uh, we can go a couple seconds. Yes. Make yeah. your final pitch. Why should people in the primary vote for you and in the final, why should they vote for you over, over um, Martha Coakley? I'm sorry, um, Maura Healy, because they really are almost the same person. Yeah, I think for the primary, look, I, I've got a track record in the Republican Party of making sure that, you know, I've worked for the people of my district uh, as, a, as a legislator. That's, it, it's not been about Republican politics, but I've delivered for my district. And so I think in the Republican primary, people know that's my track record. I've the 
convention I won 71%. I mean, right now I'm polling at 55, 18. I think people understand who I am, what I'm all about. I've been pretty transparent for the last 14 plus years of being involved in politics. As far as the general uh, election goes, I think it's really clear. You're going to get a big government, Maura Healy, uh, who believes in more government control over everything. And in turning us into California. Yeah. And you're going to get uh, through me, Jeff Deal, someone who's going to basically make sure that you decide where your tax dollars go. You keep more of your own money. But on top of that, you have more individual freedoms. Parents are going to have a say at the school boards, uh, you know, you're going to have more control over just the choices in life that you have. And I think that's pretty simple. So is, Donald Trump, is Donald Trump coming to Massachusetts to campaign for you? Well, if you, uh, you know, if you want him to come here, maybe on the show, we'll see if we can make yeah. it. Listen, we'll see. I love Donald Trump, but he hurts you in Massachusetts. I'm not too sure it's a good idea. So go to jeffdeal.com if you want to learn more about the campaign and see if we're going to bring Donald Trump to Massachusetts. All right. All right. And we didn't get a no on the debate, so I'm going to be pushing really really hard for that because I think we could actually do a much more substantive debate. I love Cooner. He's a great guy and I love Howie but I think we could do much more on substance than those guys can. Those guys are all the inside baseball stuff. You and can roll... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to let everyone know and if you go to the uh, comments below uh, the description we have a link straight to jeffdeal.com. Awesome, so thank you. Get in there. Outstanding. And, and Facebook. You can see what I'm doing every yes. day. Right, right. And you get the audio, obviously, if you're watching the video, you can always get the audio on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. We want to thank McLennan Real Estate Century 21. We love those guys. Um, in fact, I've actually been sharing some of the houses that they're selling on my Facebook page because I have readers who are asking me to do that. And I'm not doing that because McLennan's asking me to do it. I'm asking it because my readers are asking me to do that. AFC Urgent Care, Marseille and Sun Construction, EIS Investigation and Gun Training, Tomo and Shaken Seafoods. Clear Path for Veterans New England. They want you to visit them, by the way. Randy Carter says he needs you to come down there and visit what they do. Um, They help homeless veterans. Uh, A shout-out to Sullivan, uh, free shout-out to Sullivan Insurance, and Lazy River Products in Drake It. It's going to be a good week, I think, a good weekend. So you might want to go to Drake It and tell them that you heard about them from the Valley Patriot because they definitely want to hear that. Sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, Chrissy. He does. See, I had to have her say something before the end of the show. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Voice of an angel right there. <laughs> so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.